The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. Honor is so important in the kingdom of God because without honor, you cannot be promoted. Anyone in the kingdom of God that has been promoted, their promotion is linked to their level of honor. When you honor God, God will promote you. When you honor God, God will lift you up. When you honor God, God will exalt you. Why? Because the protocol that governs the kingdom of God is the protocol of honor. Let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. I said, let's give Jesus some praise. Glory be to his name. Well, we thank God for uh, rescue, the perishing for all the ones who came out yesterday in the morning and in the evening. My God will bless you. The God that I serve, who is a faithful God, he'll reward you. Please remember, we still have five more weeks to go. And in these five weeks, we are all mandated to be there morning and evening. Unless, of course, you are having uh, a baby on that Saturday morning or Saturday (laughs) evening, then you are exempted. But if you are not having a baby, you have to be there. You did hear what I said? You have to be what? You have to be there. You don't have an excuse. It's only five weeks for this year. Amen? Amen. And then the rest of the year, you can enjoy your baby giving birth and so on and so forth. Amen. Well, let's give Jesus some praise and let's please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I have a really exciting word to conclude our month of honor today that I believe will really be a great blessing to us in the name of Jesus. How many of you are getting blessed? Um, God is just doing awesome, awesome things. Now, I want to say something before I go into the word. By the grace of God, I know the cycles in this church by the grace of God. And so I want to say something very important. Now remember immediately after covenant, the Lord gave us a 40 days of open window, open door. So I want you to be expectant. Um, In the month of September, I'm speaking and I want you to open your ears and hear me. In the month of September, this is to two groups of people in the church. If you have, let's say, a bad credit ratings, right? And you have been believing God to buy a house. You have been 
renting all these years and you have a bad credit rating, I want you to get ready because the moment we enter the month of September, your credit rating is going to change from bad to good. And so when, once that happens, I want you to be ready. You don't need to have a deposit. If you have struggled to have your own house in this country, in the month of September, God will give you your own house. Somebody sitting there and say, how is it going to happen? Well, the prophecy you believe is a prophecy that works for you. So in the month of September, God is going to give many people in this house, in this church, keys to their houses. And that's the to one group of people who are struggling to get onto the property ladder. Secondly, those of you who already have houses, maybe you have one house in this in this in this uh, in this country. Amen? Amen. Maybe you have one house, right? Now, I want you to buy another house. Go and buy another house. What did I say? What did I say? Now for those of you who have just bought houses, I don't, it's pastor saying, I have to go and buy another house. For now you are on honeymoon, so I can understand how that. For those of you who just got houses this month and last month, you are honeymoon. But anyone in this church who has a, who have had a house over a year or two, don't sit on just that one house. Go and buy another house. If you cannot buy a house, buy land in this country. Did you hear what I'm saying? I'm not just speaking casually. I'm saying something very important. So in the month of September, do everything possible to buy a house or a land. It can be a small piece of land. Buy it. Put your name on it. Amen? Amen. And do you know that all of you here can buy, minimum you can buy is a, a piece of house. Say amen. Amen. These are the cycles in this church. Every August, usually it begins July, August, September. God does the impossible. If you ask many people in this house who, this church, who God has given houses, they will tell you They bought their houses July, August, September. Is that true? Is that true? Yes. So, the month of September will not pass you by. In the name of Jesus. Father, we seal that word. Thank you that you've sent angels ahead of us to make every crooked path straight. In the name of Jesus. We thank you, we call it done, 
In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. amen. Hallelujah. And the youth start looking to buy houses. Students start looking to buy houses. For those of you who don't have the deposit, when you go to buy the houses, the people you are buying the houses from, they'll give you the deposit. Receive it. It's happened in this church many times. I'm not telling you stories. They will give you the deposit. I said they'll do what? Do you believe I'm sent from God? Do you believe that God has sent me to be a blessing to you? What I'm saying to you, who is he going to benefit? Is he going to benefit me? Who is he going to benefit? Me. So I have your interest at heart. Okay? All right. Are you ready for the word? Okay, if you are, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. The book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. I read, it says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, verse 10, so shall thy bands be filled. Notice not one band, bands be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine and we are blessed by the reading of God's word. I'm sharing with you this morning on the message I have titled Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. Honor is so important in the kingdom of God because without honor you cannot be promoted. Anyone in the kingdom of God that has been promoted, their promotion is linked to their level of honor. When you honor God, God will promote you. When you honor God, God will lift you up. When you honor God, God will exalt you. Why? Because the protocol that governs the kingdom of God is the protocol of honor. Second Samuel chapter 2 verse 30, God says that they that honor me, I will honor. Sorry, First Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. God says that they that honor me, I will honor. In other words, it's honor for honor. It's honor for what? Honor. When God says when you honor me, I will honor you. What God is in fact saying is that if you disrespect me, I will also disrespect you. It says those that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. In other words, those who dishonor God shall be dishonored. I have read the scripture, the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation a few times. And one of the things I have noticed in my study of the scriptures is that God is unchangeable. God remains the same. 
but there is only one place in the entire Bible where God says, I will change. And that is in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. God says, even though I have a covenant with you, if you dishonor me, I will change that covenant. That's powerful. So that means your sins cannot make God change. You can sin against God and he, whatever he has said concerning you, he will still do it. The Bible says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So that means when God, once God says, I will bless you, he's, he's, he's bound by his word to bless you. But when it comes to you dishonoring his house or his name or whatever he does, he says, if you dishonor me, I will dishonor you. That's powerful. That's powerful. In, in essence, that's the only place God changes. God doesn't change, but once you dishonor God, he changes. That should tell you that honoring God is an important element in the kingdom of God. And so the question we want to ask is, what is honor? What is honor? Honor, as a matter of fact, in most places of the Bible, can be translated into the word kabod. The Hebrew word for honor is kabod. And the meaning of the word kabod means glory. So every time you tamper with honor, you are tampering with what? Glory. Now, do you remember God said, my glory will I not share with any man? So that's why God is so important, so, so, so sensitive when it comes to issues of honor. If you don't honor God, it means you are tampering with the glory of God. So honor means kabod, and kabod means glory, and glory there means heavy, weighty. So question I want to ask is, how weighty is the word of God in your life? How heavy is the word of God in your life? Before you make any major decision, does the word of God has a role play in your life? Before you make any major decision like marrying someone, have you consulted the word? Have you found out from God what his word says about this person or that person? Most of the time when people are in love, they wear what I call the love spectacle blues. And when they wear the love spectacle blues, they see nothing but blue, blue, blue. If you are wearing a red dress, they will see it as blue. If you tell them this person is wearing red, they say, no, no, pastor, you don't know. He's wearing blue. Why? Because they are wearing the love spectacle, what? Blue. And when you wear blue, whatever you see is what? Blue. <laughs> ah, it's so important. I remember when my wife and I were going to get married. I have to ask questions. Yes, I loved her so much. I've never loved anybody in my lifetime like I do her. Praise God. I said, praise God. Amen. I loved her so much, not based on what she had. I wasn't actually, then I had nothing. That's the truth. I had nothing. When you see my picture then, my neck was thin. 
my head was bigger than my neck. Don't laugh now. Praise God. But thank God, after 11 years, my, the size of my neck and the size of my head is the same. Hallelujah. I was so lean, I was so thin. I had nothing, no qualification. She was highly educated, had no profession. She had a profession. I had nothing, I was working, I had no car. She had a car then. I had no house, she had a house then. But I was not looking at what she had materially. All I had was vision. I said to her, I love you. This is what I have. This is where I'm going. This is where God has called me to. Are you willing to come with me? Are you willing to forsake everything, to lose all of this and come? And she said, yes. And then we started asking very serious and important questions. How will you feel if I don't give you children? How will you feel if I'm not able to provide for you? Yes, I might not be able to buy you a car now. Others might be buying their wives' cars. How will you feel? These are important questions you need to ask. Medically, how are you? We have to ask ourselves those questions. We have to even take it to the extent of going to do a medical check. Yes, I love her. She loves me. But we have to still, uh, all we, we are actually doing, you see, this, this is very important. Let me just say this. You see, many people have entered into businesses in the church or relationships in the church on the basis of trust. Yes, that's good. Trust must be the foundation of every relationship, be it business and so on and so forth. But trusting someone doesn't mean you don't verify what you're trusting. This is important. So we verify what we trust. So for instance, I'll tell you, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30 and I quote a scripture and then it's projected on the screen. Now, you trust what I'm saying, but once it's projected on the screen, what we are doing is verifying the trust. Yeah. Are you following what I'm saying? So yes, you say I love the person, you love everything about him or her, but you must go to the extent of verifying the trust. Verify what, how, how he treats women. Verify how he treats his sisters. Verify how he treats his mother. Verify how he treats his brothers. Verify all this. It doesn't mean you don't trust him or her. You trust them, but all you are doing is going through a process of verification. So we went through medical checks, did all kinds of tests. Blood group and so on and so forth. You know, some of them are personal, I can't say it, but all I want to encourage you is that you have to verify everything. Verifying doesn't mean you don't trust the person. Now, if you come to me and say, oh, pastor, I love him, I love her, I'll ask you one or two questions. Don't answer for him, let him answer. 
Is he saved? Oh, he goes to church. Going to church doesn't mean you are saved. Why am I here now? I don't know why I'm here. I'm not sure why I'm here, but this is helping someone. Verification is so key. It's so key. As a pastor, I've had many, many people come to me, pastor, do this, invest church money here, do this. When you invest this, you get this. I just have a check in my spirit. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Not that I don't trust the person, I trust them. But you see, the spirit of God just verifies and says, no, this is a no-go area. And many people have lost resources, they've lost treasured relationships, and so on and so forth. So the question I want to ask is, how weightier is the word of God in your life? in your day-to-day decision-making. If you honor God, his word will be weightier in your life. If you honor God, his word will be heavy. It will be the most heaviest thing in your life. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it says, honor the Lord with your substance. Substance is something that is what? Heavy. Not lightweight. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. Not some of all your increase. You see, when it comes to issues of giving or not giving, tithing or not tithing, it's an issue of honor. It's simple as that. It's, it's an issue of honor. If you honor someone, you put them above you. You remember the, the woman who had no child? She was believing God for a child. She see the man of God passing by every day. She didn't honor him. So what were they doing? They were just giving him bread. That's the lowest level. Okay, let's read it. First Kings chapter 4 verse 9. Let's verify it. Second Kings chapter 4 verse 9. Hallelujah. Today your life will never be the same. I said today your life will never be the same. The Bible says that, and she said to her husband, behold, no, verse 8, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. The Bible says, and it fell on the day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. Notice that she was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat what? Bread. And so it was that as oft as he passes by, that he turned it hither to do what to eat bread. So she didn't honor the man of God. So all she was giving him was bread. But look at verse 9. The verse 9, the Bible says that, and she said unto her husband, Behold, now. So that means all this while she couldn't perceive, but now something has changed. This is why in this church, we don't force you to become what you don't perceive. Nobody will force you to tithe. Nobody will force you to give. Are you following me? You have to come to the point where you now perceive. A point where you now have the conviction that this is what God says. This is what I believe. This is what the word says. So this is what I will do. 
The Bible says that now she said, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God that passes by us continually. So previously, she didn't know that Elisha was a holy man of God. You could be in this church coming Sunday after Sunday, weekday after weekday, but you might not have perceived yet that I am a holy man of God. And so when you don't perceive that I'm a holy man of God, guess what? All you give me is bread. You're right, pastor. High five, pastor. That's bread. But the moment you perceive and you have a revelation of honor, the way you treat the vessel of God changes. Verse 10, the Bible says that, and she said to her husband, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall. On the wall means above our house. And let us set for him there a bed, a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in hither. Now what changed from verse 8 to verse 10? Honor. Verse 8, she was only giving the man of God bread. Verse 9, when she perceived that this is a holy man of God, Something weighty has to come in now. Something heavy has to come in now. Then verse 10, she built the man of God a house. A story building. You see, when the word is heavy in your life, you, 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 you give God substance. That's the truth. Let's even take it to your friends. Among your friends, there are some who you treasure higher than the rest. Is that right? There are some that knows everything about you. There are some that don't know anything about you. Why? Because there are levels in friendship. Assuming the queen says she's coming to your house tomorrow. You change your carpet. Right? Yeah. You buy new glasses. You buy a new cap. You buy new, new things. You wear a new dress. You buy a new shoe. Why are you doing that? Because something heavy is coming to your house. Are you getting the concept now? Something big is coming and you don't receive a big thing ordinarily. So God says, if you are going to honor me, back to Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9, God says, if you are going to honor me, I want you to honor me how? With your substance. <laughs> he said, I want you to honor me with what? Your substance. That's why David said, I will not give the Lord anything that cost him me nothing. Question, what are you honoring the Lord with? You see, when you treat the house of God with disrespect, every time you come into the house of God, you dishonor the house. That's why it's important for you to have a revelation of the place before you go. I've said this time and time again, and I'm not, I'm not scared to say it. If you don't honor me, please don't come to this church. 
it's better I have in this church those who honor me rather than those who don't honor me. If you don't honor me, please, this is not the church for you. I'll give you a letter of recommendation to go to the next door one. You know the next door? You can go that one. You can go to that place. I'll give you a letter of recommendation. Dear, this one is a, used to be a member. I'm recommending him or her to you. Please keep them there. Because there's no point coming to a place where you dishonor. There's no point. If you're going to dishonor what I say, please don't come here. Don't even watch my messages. Because what you dishonor cannot bless you. It cannot, what you criticize cannot bless you. You remember when we're looking at the six stages of dishonor? One of them is critical spirit. Another one is analysis, analyzing everything I'm preaching, analytical. This pastor preached it this way. Why is he preaching it that way? We are different. We are different. One of the largest churches in, 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 in Nigeria, uh, this morning I just heard before I was coming, Bishop David Oedipo was giving the average attendance of the church year by year. And one of the years he said our average attendance was six. Six people. But when it was six people we were rejoicing. Today the church average attendance is about 300,000 to 350,000 on a Sunday alone. 350,000 human beings. But at one point the average attendance was six. At another year, he said the average attendance was 52. At another time, he said it was 126. At another time, it was 500. But today, they are in the 400, 500,000. Now, you have to understand levels. I celebrate what level we are. You have to understand levels. At a level he had six, he was celebrating. Now, go, don't go and watch his 500,000 people and they say, oh, what is this? Is this a church? This is somebody's choir. God punish your mouth. This is, this, is, this is a church. It might be somebody's choir, but this is a church. There are levels. Before that person had a massive choir, they went through one, two, three, four. So don't be at a place that is blessing you and dishonor it. This church cannot go to the level where God wants to take it if we don't understand the principle of honor. It's not a coincidence that this year God has given us Revelation 5.12 to go throughout the whole year. Some of the things I'm teaching you now, I didn't know it then. I didn't know that for a whole year we were, if somebody said, it's a risk to stay in one verse for a whole year. No church has ever done it. If you've seen any church that does it, come and tell me. It's a risk. It's a high risk 
Somebody said, can he not preach anything else? The whole Bible, he's only preaching from one verse for the whole year. It's a high risk. Because as human as you are, you like new things. You say, how do you know? Because the moment you bought your new shoe, you threw away your old shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't honor me, please, this is not the place for you. But if you honor me, I'm excited to, to, to go on this journey with you. Say a good amen to that. Amen. I said, say a good amen to that. Amen. So God says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, he said, honor me with your substance and with all the first fruits of thine increase. Verse 10, when you do verse 9, verse 10 becomes automatic in your life. Verse 10, it says, so shall thy bands be filled with plenty. Change the word bands there and put banks. Put your banks there. It says, so shall your banks be filled with what? Plenty. And your presses shall burst out with new wine. Say amen to that. So it's time for us to honor God. Not with lip service, but honor God with all our lives. Quickly, as we get ready to close, two areas where we need to honor God in. Two areas. Number one, honor God with your life. Honor God with your lives. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 8. Honor God with your life. How do I know you honor me when I'm preaching you don't yawn? Ah. You open your mouth like a giraffe. You want to swallow me. How do I know you honor me when I'm preaching you don't look at your time? What time is it finished? How do I know you honor me when I'm preaching? You are not, you know, reading love messages on your text message. Or sending love text messages. You are yawning. Someone is yawning. I just talk about yawning. So I say, oh, Master, because you talk about yawning, that's why I'm yawning. <laughs> Hallelujah. How do I know you honor me when I'm preaching? You take notes. You take notes when I'm preaching. Are you getting it now? So, two areas we need to honor God in. Number one is to honor God with our lives. Proverbs chapter 3, from verse 5 to 8. It says, trust the Lord with what? Oh, not some. How many? How many? Unfortunately, many Christians trust men with their hearts. Instead of trusting God with all their hearts. Trust the Lord with how many of your heart? You don't give God 70% of your heart. It's a, oh, you see, many people serve God because of experiences of their natural father. They, are, they had bad experiences with their natural father. So most of the time, they bring that experience of their natural father into the church and think that God is the same. 
So for instance, they ask their father for something and their father doesn't give it to them. They pray to God and they don't receive their answer immediately. They say, ah, my natural father and my heavenly father is the same. That's not the case. So yes, maybe it, it might be a case where a man broke your heart. And because he broke your heart, somebody have told you, as for men, never, never, never give them all your heart. So you enter into a relationship with a mindset that as for men, never, never give them all your heart. So that thing is playing behind you. Every time you want to give your all to the relationship, you say, as for men, never give them all your heart. And instead of gaining from that relationship, you are losing. Because you are not giving all your heart. Paul told Timothy, give yourself wholly. Not some, wholly. Hallelujah. So the Bible says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Yes, you have your own understanding, but don't lean on your own understanding. But trust the Lord with what? All your heart. Trust means rely on him. He's reliable. Lean on him. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Not with some, but with all your heart. He is too good to fail you. Amen. Trust the Lord with how many of your heart? All your heart. My trust is not in man. My trust is in God. Because man will fail you. Trust God. The systems of this world will fail you. Trust God. Your car will fail you. Trust God. Your insurance policy might fail you. But trust God with all your heart. Not with some of your heart. I trust God. I don't know what you trust in. You might trust in your degrees. You might trust in your qualifications. But I trust God. My trust is not in this system. My trust is not in this world. I trust God with all my heart. Because he will do me good all the time. As a testimony we had today, someone was supposed to do a business transaction. They left it. May the house of God be a priority. Why? Because God says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the world is running after will come chasing you. Why can't you trust God? Why are you trusting man? Why can't you put your faith in God? Why, you know, faith, faith is in levels. How many of you know that? Faith, who has some money on their wallet? You have some money? You have, I want five pound note, 20 pound note. Wow. 
Does anyone have 50 pound notes? Now I have, I have five pound, I have 10 pounds, I want a 50 pound note. I'll give it back to you, I'm not gonna take your money. I'm not, I'm not gonna take your money, please. Do you have a 50 pound note? Yeah, good one. Yeah. Yeah, this is a house that have everything. Yeah. Did we take offering today? I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Did, did we take offering today? Okay, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm only checking whether we took an offering today. No, don't worry, don't worry. Praise God. Let me not, let me not divert what I, the analogy I'm about to give. Now, now the Bible says, trust the Lord with how many of your heart? Is it some? All. Okay, so the word trust there, it's like faith. That means put your faith, all of your faith, right? In who? In God. Now, what note is this? It's a five pound note. Now, assuming you go to the shop and you want to buy something, let's say a pint of milk, and they said two, two pints of milk is for two pound twenty. And you have five pounds in your pocket. What will you do? When you take these five pounds and you give it to the one selling, do you have trust or faith in the five pounds? That it will be able to give you back what you are trying to buy. Is that correct? So, you see, trust or faith are in levels. The moment you take out this five pound, you know without any shadow of doubt that you have the right, you have the power to have access to what they are selling, which is equivalent to what? Five pounds. Now, you go to another shop, you see, let's say, a dress or a shirt for 10 pounds. What are you going to take out? Five pounds or ten pounds? Why will you take out ten pounds? Because five pounds on its own doesn't have the purchasing power to be able to buy what you want. Is that correct? So you take out ten pounds. The moment you take out ten pounds, you've put your trust in the money. Your faith is in the money. You trust that this money can buy what you want to buy. So what do you do? You pay for that shirt or that dress. There you go. You take your, your, your shirt or your dress and you go. We come to 20 pounds. If you go to a shop, you want to buy a shoe and it's 20 pounds. I'm giving you an analogy. I'm getting to something very important I want you to understand. When I get to there, I buy my shoe with 20 pounds I take out 20 pounds, I buy the shoe, and I go. What am I doing? I've put my faith in the 20 pounds. Then, what shall we buy with 50 pounds? Perfume. A car. Somebody wants to buy a car with 50 pounds. <laughs> okay, let's say perfume. Perfume that is worth, or let's say petrol. Petrol, yeah, petrol. Petrol that is worth what? 50 pounds. 
The moment you put 50 pounds worth of petrol, you go to the, pay, the cashier, you take out your 50 pounds, and you pay for that petrol. And you can drive off confidently without them calling police and giving your car reg number. <laughs> Why? Because you have paid. Now, what have we demonstrated? We have demonstrated four levels of faith in all these different muddies. They are all pieces of paper, but their purchasing power is different. What I can buy with five pounds, I cannot buy with 50 pounds. So your faith, for your faith to grow or your trust to grow in God, you have to understand that there are levels. Are you following what I'm saying? This is so important. So what I am able to buy with five pounds, I can't buy with 50 pounds. It's the same piece of paper. They are all made out of same pieces of paper, but their purchasing powers are different. In the church, you might say, but I have the same level of faith as she does. Why is she able to afford things in 50 pounds rent? And I'm only able to afford things in 20 pounds rent. Why? Because the levels of trust, the levels of faith are different. Very important. Now, to finalize my analogy, the Bible says, how do I trust? If I, it, if I, trust, if I trust in this money, it means this money can, can do what I'm believing him to do. God to do or the money to do, right? Now, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, cast your bread upon the waters and after many days, you what? You'll find it. Now, does it make sense? It says, cast your bread upon the waters and after many days, you'll find it. No, it don't make sense because if I put bread in water, the water will swallow it. It says after many days. But the scripture, the, what the Bible is talking about is this, that in those days in, 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 in Israel, it rains heavily. And when remember, the Bible is written in an agrarian society or an agrarian culture. So if you're going to understand the Bible, you have to understand it as a farmer. So we even we say money is a seed. I say, but how can you say money is seed? Because for us, we are what? Farmers. You can only understand the scriptures from a farmer perspective. Are you getting? So the Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters. And in many days, you'll find it. So let's assume this are my bread. I trust God. I'm casting my bread upon the waters and in many days I will find it. Now, what is in the bread? In the bread, there's a seed. Because in those days, their bread is not like this flowered bread we eat now. They were seeded bread. Seeded bread. So, when the Bible says, cast your bread upon the waters, what the Bible is saying is that Inside the bread, there is a seed. So now, when it rains heavily, and they are moving from one place to another, 
to avoid flooding, what they do is they take their bread and start casting it upon the waters. Follow me? They cast it like I've cast this money upon the, on the waters. So they go, they move away from that, that area of flooding, they move away for maybe months. For months. Right? Now, for them to come back, because they have to come back home, once the water has resided, once the water has resided, the word resided means receded. Receded. Once the water has receded, the water has gone down, guess what happened? The seed, the bread that you cast upon the waters, the bread, the flour goes off and the seed have contact with the ground. Once the water goes away, guess what happened? The seed begins to grow. The seed begins to grow. So when you are coming back after many months, after many days, after many weeks, after many years, guess what? You don't need to come back with bread anymore because God says, cast your bread upon the waters and after many days, you will find it. So guess what? When you are coming back home, you are coming back in what? Not it no more in seed because your seed has now germinated. When you are coming back, you are coming back now in harvest. You are coming back in harvest. You are coming back in harvest. You are coming back in harvest because the seed, the bread you cast upon the waters has receded and sprouted. And guess what? You're coming back now. You're coming back in laughter. You put 50 pounds down, it's become 5 million. You put 20 pounds down, it's become 2 million. You put 10 pounds down, it's become 100,000. You put 5 pounds down, it's become 500,000. Why? Because God's wealth cannot be broken. But if you look at it with your natural mind, he said, how do I put bread? How can I find my bread? after many days. It's talking about the seed. Once the water resides, the seed are reseeded. And then you have a harvest. Did you get that analogy? Please come back and take your money. Please come back. Let's appreciate those who gave their money. You gave a 50. The Bible says you get more. You give it 25, you get more. Hallelujah. You always get more than you put into the kingdom of God. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with what? With all your heart. And lean not unto your own understanding. You see, your own understanding means I put the bread there, it's going to fluff off and vanish. But God knows what he's saying. The testimony we had this morning, she bought a ticket. She thought she has to do this. She's going to lose money. She comes to church and all that. By the time she goes back, the price has shot up. And then by the time she goes back, the price has gone down. Amen. And she saved 300 and what? 70 pounds or something. Now, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? 
when she was sharing that testimony, one of the things that the Lord whispered into my heart is trust. Trust. Now that customer will trust her and more avenues are open. You have to understand the ways of God. Listen, nobody has ever served God and gone down. You cannot genuinely love God with all your heart and go down. It, listen, 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 listen. You cannot genuinely love God and go down. The Bible says that the seed of the righteous shall be mighty in the land. The seed of this house shall be mighty in this land. Are you getting this? Let me quickly run through this and then we finish. So trust in the Lord. The first one, we honor the Lord with what? Your life. Proverbs 3, 5 to 8. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 8. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways. In how many of your ways? In how many of your ways? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Now this is very important. How many of you have a sat-nav in your car when you're driving? When you are driving, the sat-nav talks for a time and stop talking. For instance, the sat-nav will say, you are on a 51 miles road. It will say, stay on this road for 51 miles. And it goes quiet. Sometimes for 51 miles. If you have not heard God, stay on the path. Once you pray and you hear God say, turn left. Keep turning left. Or God says go straight. Keep going straight until you hear his voice again. That's why it says in all your ways acknowledge him. If you don't acknowledge him, he can't direct your path. If you don't acknowledge God, he cannot direct your path. So in all your ways, not some of your ways, once he says keep straight on, just keep going. Don't see a corner and say, God, there's a left. Do I turn? No, no, just keep going. You might not have heard his voice. Silence of God's voice does not mean he's not directing you. Obey what he said to you previously and just keep going on. Verse 7, it says, And be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Say amen to that. Are you getting something out of this? Finally, as we close, the number two area we have to honor God is honor the Lord with your substance. Say amen to that. Honor the Lord with your substance. We've read that already. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your substance and with all the first fruits of thine increase. God wants us to honor him with our substance. Let me give you a case studies and we'll close. Matthew chapter 26. From verse 6. Matthew chapter 26. Now, the background to this scripture is Jesus is about to go to the cross. Just about to die. But there's something very important he has to deal with. Something very, very important he has to deal with. Matthew 26 from verse 6. The Bible says that now Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon Simon the leper. Please underline that. Jesus was where? 
in the house of who? Simon the who? Simon the who? Simon the who? Simon the leper. Now, has anybody come into contact with Jesus and gone back the same? Are you sure? Are you sure? Has anybody come into contact with Jesus and gone back the same? Are you sure? That's what you've heard all of your life. But that's not true. That's not true. Now, Jesus went into Simon the leper's house. What is leprosy? Leprosy is not a disease that is good. Leprosy eats your flesh. It eats your skin. It eats your face. It eats everything. This morning we read... Luke chapter 17, verse 17, during our Thanksgiving, that he cleansed how many lepers? Ten lepers. Only one came to give thanks. But there was another leper called Simon the leper that Jesus went into his house. Why would Jesus go into Simon the leper's house? It's for a reason. So that his leprosy can be cleansed. So that his leprosy can be cleansed. But look at what happens. I want us to read this, but I want you to keep this in your mind. Simon the leper. From verse 7, let's read verse 7. The Bible says that there came unto him, this is in Simon the leper's house, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment. Of what? Very precious ointment. Substance. Substance, very precious ointment, and poured it on his head as it sat at meat in Simon the leper's house. And when the disciples saw it, they had indignation. Oh my goodness. These are not strangers, these are Jesus' disciples. Do you see honor? No, this is why I'm saying that if you don't honor a house, don't come. Don't get to the house because, you see, what you have to understand that every time you dishonor an anointing, it comes with a curse. Michal dishonored David and she became barren for the rest of her life. Even though David was a husband, she became barren for life. She never had a child because she dishonored an anointing. The Bible says that the disciples, they had indignation saying, to what purpose is this waste? One sees it at honor, the other sees it at waste. Somebody sees it as honor, somebody sees it as what? Waste. It's the world view. Buy a Mercedes Benz for a pastor today, the world sees it at waste, somebody sees it as honor. That's why I don't like people, you know, my wife will tell you, I don't like, you know, uh, whether it's my birthday and they say, oh, we are giving you this. I don't like it. I don't like it because you are going to bring more trouble to yourself than you already have. If a pastor have a, a jet today, some people, is, for them it's honor. But for the world, it's indignation. They say, to what waste is this? Why are they wasting 
But if Rooney buys a 12 million house, they don't say it's a waste. They don't say it's a waste. Do they say it's a waste? If Ronaldo buys a private jet, do they say it's a waste? Is Ronaldo saving souls? I don't you answer. Is Ronaldo saving souls? Is Ronaldo winning souls? The air he's kicking, is he going to send somebody to heaven? No. No. To one man is honor, to another man is waste. It was the disciples. It was the people in the church. It was the pastors. They said, why, why are they giving? Why, why is he the only one? Is he the only one who can preach? Is he the only senior pastor? Why, why, everything, everything. Why, why, everything. When they are giving testimony, God said this to the pastor. Is he the only one? Indignation. From who? The very disciples of Jesus. The pastors of Jesus. Verse 9. The Bible says, for, for this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Listen to who he's talking. Is the, is the pastors, is the leaders in the church. <laughs> Don't we see it today? Pastors in different churches are criticizing other pastors publicly. We are seeing it. This is not new. We are seeing it. Somebody preaches on this, another pastor comes and castigates him publicly because he wants public opinion. The public didn't call you. It's God who called you. You seek for public opinion, God will judge you publicly. It's not your place. It's not your place. You did not call Saul. That's why David said, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. He said, for this ointment might have been sold for much and given it to the poor. And that's always the argument. Tell somebody what you give in church and say, can you not give it to the poor? Why do you give offering in the church? He said, why don't you give it to the poor? That's what they'll tell you. There's always this argument. But they don't understand us. And there's no point us trying to defend ourselves. I pity the man of God. I, I always tell my wife, are you ready? When they start castigating us left, right, center, are you going to, uh, you, uh, are you going to feel, are you going to start crying? When they start writing evil things about us in the newspapers or on social media platforms, how are you going to feel? You have to be ready. Because when God truly blesses you, when God truly blesses you, I'm telling you, people will envy you. Have I been criticized many times by people I have blessed? Yes, many times. Have I heard it myself? Yes, many times. But I still look at those people and say, hello, how are you? God bless you. I still bless them. Yeah. Because I have been called to bless and not to curse. Verse 9, verse 10 of Matthew chapter 26. The Bible says, and when Jesus understood, I love this. You see, if you don't understand the argument, you cannot answer properly. The Bible says, when Jesus understood it, what did he understand? Their argument. 
that can this not be sold and given to the poor? Jesus did not take their argument or their, their maligning for granted. He, he sat down to understand what is going on. The Bible said, when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, why trouble ye the woman? For she has wrought a good work upon me. Why are you troubling this woman? It's not your money. It's the people who are telling us not to give in church. Is it their money? Are they the ones paying us? When we go to work, are they our bosses? So why, why should it concern them? Because they know that if they can get you to dishonor God, a curse is coming upon you. Verse 11. The Bible says, for ye have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. This is why in this church, we don't even do things and announce it publicly. This morning I heard, you know, the church help raise funds. It's the first time I'm here. I didn't even know the amount. There are many things. We've built churches. We've helped paid church people's church buildings. Their, you know, churches closed down with help. We don't announce these things publicly. We don't have to come and say, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. Are you in the house? Saints, we say, I said, praise the Lord. This week we paid off. No, that's not what we are here for. We are not doing it unto man. Are you following what I'm saying? There are lots of things going on in the church. We buy things every time. We don't come and say, praise the Lord. This week we have bought a... For, 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 for you have the poor with you, how many? Always. But me, I'm not here always. What is Jesus saying? There are different levels of honor. Honor the poor and honor me. He said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. Taxes belongs to Caesar. Tithes belongs to God. So give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Verse, verse 12 of, of Matthew chapter 26. So in that she had poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. What's Jesus saying? Don't, don't come to my funeral and start ordering me there. There's a particular country, I'll mention the name. If you want your house painted, just go and do an obituary that you are dead. They will paint your house for you now. When the person is alive, <laughs> they, will paint, they will paint his house. Somebody will say, I'll buy the suit and they will buy a very expensive suit. Somebody will say, I'll buy the coffin. Very expensive, they will ship it from America. But when the person was alive, they will not give the person one pound, one dollar, one CD, one peswa. One kobo, one naira. <laughs> but let, let that person die and see. They will come and say, I'm the biggest giver in this funeral. Rubbish. No, but I, I, like I've always told you, 
If you don't know, you come to the day I'm being transitioned and I'm lying there and you're crying. Say, oh, Pastor, why did you die? I wanted to give you a new car when I was alive. <laughs> when I was alive, you did not give me that car when I'm dead and gone. Oh, Pastor. No, I will come out of that coffin. I shall deal with you from that coffin. I shall ask you what happened when I was alive. <laughs> they want to, they want to. There are, you know, and, and it's sad. I'm telling you, there is a country I know, I cannot mention the name. Their number one tourism now is funeral. Number one tourism in that country now is funeral. They compete in funerals. As to how much they are spending in funeral, that's how sick that society is. They are sick. Sick. They glorify the dead. When somebody dies, they go and build something and say, oh, we put their name there. Why can't you build a statue when a person was alive? That's why I don't believe in all these statues. Nelson Mandela dies and they put up a statue. Put the statue where the person is alive so he can see there is no wisdom in the grave. If you want to bless me, bless me now. Don't wait for me to die before you come and bless me. Amen? Amen. I'm not preaching this for myself. I'm preaching this for you. I said, oh, Pastor, you don't know. We are with you. We are with you. Pastor, we are with you. You are with me with your mouth. <laughs> Show me your substance. <laughs> when we started a church, you know, nine years ago, a guy and the family came, they were living here, and then all of a sudden, they moved to Northampton. He said, Pastor, we are going to come from Northampton to church. Let us be in control of the offering. I said, okay. <laughs> I said, okay. So this one, all he's interested is in the offering. When he was here, he was not coming to church every Sunday. You move to Northampton and say, you know that the accent, you should know where they are coming from. I don't want to go far now. Jesus said, don't, don't honor me when I'm dead. She's honoring me now when I'm alive. Verse 13. Are you getting something out of this? Verse 13, Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel is preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman has done be told for a memorial of her. Are we doing that now? Are we doing that now? Are we doing that now? Hallelujah. Jesus said, wherever this gospel will be preached, this woman will be mentioned. Jesus memorialized her. Verse 14. Quickly as we close. Hallelujah. Then one of the twelve, called Judas, went unto the chief priest and said unto them, what will you give me? And I'll deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. Look, he's entered into the wrong covenant. They covenanted to, to dishonor an honorable man. Last verse. 
Verse 16, the Bible says that, and from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. From that time, because he was against honor. He dis disliked Jesus being honored. He was looking for an opportunity. He didn't leave. He was there. He was just waiting like a snake. You know, waiting for an opportunity to strike like a snake. You know, always hissing. Oh, Pastor, we want you. We want you. Yeah, we see you. Looking for an opportunity to strike like a snake. You step on its tail wrong at the wrong time and then it can show. I was been looking for this opportunity for so long. Now, as we close, remember Simon the leper? Was he cleansed? No. Because when people were dishonoring Jesus in Simon the leper's house, Simon did not stop them. Simon the leper kept quiet. Jesus came so that Simon the leper, his leprosy can be cleansed, but Simon the leper kept quiet. When an anointing that has blessed you is being dishonored in front of you and you keep quiet, your leprosy can never be taken off. And Simon the leper had an encounter with Jesus but his leprosy remained the same. I pray for you that you honor the Lord from today. That you honor the Lord from today. Because God says that those who honor me, I will honor. I pray for this house that God will honor this house. That God will honor members of Solution Chapel International. Globally, wherever we are, we shall be honored. Wherever we are, we shall be honored. Because no one can dishonor the one that the Lord has honored. I decree that your children are honored. Wherever we are, we will be the head and not the tail. In the name of Jesus, I decree the glory of God covers this house from today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Did you receive it today? Amen. Let's give Jesus a better praise. We are a house of honor. Hallelujah. Let's rise up on our feet. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10, 8HQ. Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. Solution, bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations.